0: our limitations self-doubt and limiting beliefs about ourselves why do we give them so much power i'm simon caruso and this is the limitless man podcast speaking to those who doubted their own doubts and overcame limitations to pursue their very own limitless potential Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. So today's pretty exciting for me because I've been in this gentleman's community for the best part of seven years. Um, and to be honest, he's the mindset and mental performance coach for some of Australia's top rich listers, industry leaders, athletes and business teams. He's been featured alongside the likes of Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. John D. Martini, Dr. Dave Logan, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee and Barbara Corcoran. He's best known for challenging the way people think and smashing a lot of myths and misconceptions that most are completely unaware that are keeping them stuck both in their personal and professional lives. He bridges the gap between advanced sciences, human behavior, personal development, and the mental performance fields that give powerful tools, teachings, and methodologies to help people succeed at greater levels. His business, the Mojo Human Performance Institute, runs events, workshops, trainings, and seminars, right through from the general public, right through to corporate teams, teaching implementable evidence and scientific-based tools to help people excel in their personal and professional lives. His mission is to help people live a kick-ass life by performing better, both in their personal and professional lives. Michael Johnson, also known professionally as Michael Mojo, welcome to the podcast, man.
1: Mate, thank you. That intro sounded good. Um, you're Very rarely do I get called a gentleman, that's for sure. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Let me just adjust my screen actually. I might bring down the camera a little bit so I don't look like I'm talking down to everyone.
0: Oh good man. <laughs> oh, there
1: we go. We could
0: Mate, you're fascinating I know you've always been fascinated a lot with human behaviour and why people do what they do. This is why obviously you got into this business. Just tell us your story. I know it wasn't all rosy growing up as a kid. I know you had your own challenges, your own setbacks and issues. Just talk us through it, paint a picture as to how you become one of the leading people in your industry today.
1: You make me sound really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, like I, I, I'm i like most people. I'm not like, I don't know. I I think everyone is born to be extraordinary. It's just no one knows it. Well, very rarely does anyone know it. And so as a kid, I was just super inquisitive. I just wanted to know everything. And, you know, my parents had me when they were quite young. So my mum was 17. Dad was 19. Dad worked two jobs. Uh, and We lived in a lower socioeconomic area at the time. Um, and yeah, we just. We just cruise along like I just thought we're a normal family. You know, I'd get home from school, grab my push bike, and I'd ride until, you know, mum or dad would come out and kick my ass because it was like dark as shit outside and I'm still out on my bike riding around. Um, you know, I just, I just love doing stuff and, and I love moving and just figuring out how things work. So I was always super inquisitive and I always asked a lot of questions. Anyway, put me in school, not the best. Get told to sit down, don't move, put your hand up to ask questions, Ask too many questions, you get in trouble. And so I really struggled at school and I I did all right up until maybe grade two. And then from there, um, I just stopped reading. Uh, I think I started in, well, I did start in class when I was reading out loud and I felt guilty and ashamed of like not being able to read. And so then that whole thing went through me throughout school. So I got put into special classes, um, you know, told that I, well, the word dyslexia, all of that stuff got thrown around, learning difficulties and, and whatever. So I just hated school. And um, I used to get picked on a lot. i had bright red hair, freckles. I was a bit of a chubby kid as well. I remember going to grade five swimming, uh, like swimming excursion. And I was the only kid not to take off my shirt. Like I just hated the way I looked. Yeah. Um, in, in all of that though, like it's a blessing in disguise. And I'll talk more about that later. Um, but yeah, I just, school wasn't my thing. And um, getting picked on, I ended up uh, bashing one of the bullies at school and got expelled. And it was My uncles had gone to the school as well. I won't mention the name of the school, but my uncles went to that school and it was sort of a, um, you know, uh, I guess you could say a prestigious private school, um, which my parents, I guess, worked extremely hard to put me through because we didn't have a lot of money. Like I never had basketball shoes and shit like that. You know, my parents just, I always got told like we couldn't afford it. So, you know, I had like, I was, I was the poor kid in a rich kid's school. Um, so yeah, it, um, so then I just fell into this downward spiral, I guess you could say now of depression where, you know, I felt like I didn't fit in at school, didn't fit in at home. I never got invited out like to other kids' birthdays and stuff. Um, uh, my parents would take me away every weekend cause I had a shack in the, uh, up in the Riverland. Yep. So I grew up around adults, like every weekend they're partying, they're getting pissed, they're running amok. So I grew up in that environment. Like we used to go motorbike riding and go crash cars and shit like that. Super fun. But when you're trying to fit in at school, when you go back to school on Monday and, you know, you're like 13 and you say you drove a car and you're going over motorbike jumps and crazy shit like that. Other kids couldn't comprehend it. And so you just think I didn't fit in. So at 15, I was uh, at a point one night where I just thought, you know what, there's no point being here anymore. And um, yeah, I was about to end it all. Lucky for me, though, something just inside of me, I, I got so angry and upset at myself. I just remember bawling my eyes out and I was just crying so heavily and I could hardly even breathe. And I had a big kitchen knife in my hand and I just ended up throwing it across the room and it cut the blinds open. And in that moment, I made a commitment to myself to never allow anyone to take away my worth. And that was like probably one of the greatest, the greatest and worst moments of my life because I couldn't believe that I had let other people dictate how I felt about myself and about life. So to cut a long story short, I ended up going back to school, finished off grade 12, different school, obviously, still hated school. Um, built better friendships. Um, but I also moved uh, to a different area after school, became a diesel mechanic because I had no fucking idea what I wanted to do with life. And right. I got told that you either had to go to school, get a good education, go to, go to university and so on. Or if you're one of the dumb kids like I was, you go get a trade. And so I went and got yeah. a trade um, and that that was about it. And I thought, you know, this is my pathway to success. Then there's all these guys going up to the mines back then it was male dominated. It probably still is, but it's, it was like heavily, I don't think there was a female that I even knew who went up to the mines. Um, All these guys making heaps of money. And I thought, you know, you work hard, you make money, you're set for life, right? The white picket fence, the family, the kids, the marriage, all of that shit I bought into. And then I see all these guys coming back and they're all absolutely fucking miserable. They would bitch and complain. I hate this job. This place is fucked. I hate working here. Boss is a dickhead, you know, on Monday morning. How's your weekend? Oh, kids are fucked. Wife's fucked. Yeah. I hope you don't mind me swearing. That's um, right. Yeah. You'd beep it all out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be like... Good, Keep going. This is good. Every, every one minute. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, it. So it was just that environment that was so just toxic and... I was thinking like, I don't really want to be here. And I didn't really enjoy going to work every day and and getting filthy cut, like covered in dirt and shit. Like it, that's not my thing. I'm a clean dude. Like you look at my office. It's spotless. Yeah. Um, So, uh, you know, I, yeah, it wasn't the place that I, I wanted to be. I like learning about machinery, but I just didn't like working on it. And eventually I ended up getting a phone call. And the reason why I didn't end my life at 15 was I had one friend named Josh. And that friend was, He'd been through a lot in his life like he he had a lot of family issues and all of that sort of stuff but we always stayed close and his family had a, a shack near my parents shack so every weekend we were together
2: yeah
1: um and I got a phone call to go to the hospital um I didn't know what it was for got to the hospital and he informed me that he was in a car accident his sister was driving um he was in the passenger seat and his niece that we used to look after all the time um yeah, it was uh, it was in the back seat, and the car went off the side of the road and ended up flipping and threw uh, his niece out of the window and and killed her instantly. And um, so for me, going to a funeral, it was the first proper like funeral that I had to go to mm. to see this little white coffin going into the ground for a three-year-old. You know, just in that moment, I just remember thinking, how can how can life just be taken away just like that? Yeah. And again, it was like the best and worst thing that ever happened to me. Because in that moment, I realized every day I'm getting closer to dying. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know I'm a day closer. And so it, it was enough to shock me into thinking differently. And so in a way, it's so tragic that it happened. But at the same time, it probably gave me a life where you know I've influenced tens of thousands of people to take life by the balls because we're all getting closer. So anyway, I kept, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but I stayed on as a diesel mechanic and, and whatever, hate, hated it. Uh, was in a toxic relationship that wasn't working, um, had some close friends, but we would go out drinking every weekend and most nights after work, like I'd, you know, go to the gym, go out drinking afterwards. And um, just, I started thinking like, what's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? And then how am I going to be remembered when I'm not here? And I knew that the the path that I was on was not the path that was going to get me to where I wanted to get to. So this one day, I just thought, you know, I'm going to start doing more personal development, personal growth. And I also started looking through the newspaper and I, I, I was looking to maybe go into massage because I'd, I'd always liked, you know, um, you know, when my parents or my family would have like tight muscles, I'd get in there and massage it. So I thought maybe this is something for me. At the time I was training, like I started training when I was 13 and 14 um, and lifting weights. There was weights around my house. My dad was quite athletic. So I'd always lift weights as well. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll do that. But this ad was there and it's like become a personal trainer. And so I ended up thinking, fuck it, I'll go to TAFE and I'll learn this. So first day of TAFE, first night of TAFE, I've got to go there and I'm scared shitless. All the thoughts of school, you know, dumb kid, put in a special classes, yeah. can't learn all that stuff. But when I butted up against that fear and pushed, all of a sudden, I, I'm the like a great student in there because the thing that I loved, I didn't realize that there was a correlation between, your ability to learn and doing things that you actually enjoy and your memory retention, all that stuff, which is a lot of the stuff that, you know, I teach now. So anyway, I'm a straight A student in there doing it after hours. So I would work for a 10 hour day, go to night school. And then um, I got signed off my apprenticeship a year early. And I just remember feeling sick. Like I was going to throw up over my toolbox because these images of my future kept popping up as a mechanic. And I was thinking like, I can't do this. Like this is just, I can't. Walked into the boss's office and I said, look, I'm out of here. And he said, Michael, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. It's not this. And he he looks at me. This is a at the time I was working for a trucking company. And he said, Michael, don't end up like the rest of these fuckers. Go mm-hmm. do what you love. Yeah. And so I put my toolbox in the car, go to mom and dad's house, go to become a personal trainer. Now, back then, we're talking like early 2000s. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like now where personal trainers are like normalized. Back yeah. then, they were like, you know, Bogan Devo with his footy shorts on and his, you know, West End or Cooper's top has a smoke out the front and then goes and pumps out some iron, you know, in thongs. It wasn't, the the quality of the industry wasn't there. So I tell my mom, she bursts into tears. You know, if you just stick with it for 10 years, you'll be set, you'll have a house, you'll be able to get married. You know, you can have kids. You'll set yourself up financially. There's all of her insecurities coming out of what she feels like she missed out on. I didn't even realize that at the time. But she's projecting this shit on me. Anyway, cut a long story short, became a personal trainer loved it set up franchise systems with a gym owner got um poached to go and work at fitness first when they came to adelaide um to help with the high marsh branch um then from there got poached to go and work in a medical center for three years and that's where i realized like in the medical center i was thinking i'm, I'm gonna go learn and i've I've loved learning like inquisitive learning and i i've spent a couple hundred thousand dollars being the best personal trainer i could yeah In the medical center, I was so stoked. I'm going to go learn from doctors and med, um, you know, physios and chiros and uh, dieticians and all of these amazing people, the psychologists and all that. I get in there and all I saw was sick people the time and they're all fucking sick and they just end up coming back. It was just like this rotisserie where they just kept coming back. Yeah. I'm thinking shit, like what's going on here? And this one day, this big burly guy, this big, like bikey looking guy, um, I saw him there consistently. So I'd always chat to him and this one day burst into tears and he's like, Michael you know, I've, I've got this back pain and I can't get rid of it. And you know, I've, I've seen the physio for months. I've seen the doctor. I'm taking all these meds. I can't work and I want to get back to work. And now they're sending me to a psychiatrist because they think it's all in my head. And in that moment I was like, hang on, shit, there's more to pain than what I knew. And, and because I was doing a lot of physical rehabilitation and Pilates and working with athletes, it opened me up to questions once again. So I started working with a psychologist You know, tell me about depression. Why are people depressed? Well, it's just a chemical imbalance. Well, Why? As a mechanic, I learned one of the best skills. And because I originally, I did my apprenticeship through Caterpillar or CavPower. Yeah. They spent like when an engine would break, you couldn't just go and fix a part. You had to pull everything down and find the number one reason why it happened. And it could have been metal fatigue. It could have been, you know, they'll go back and trace it to like the, the, the pool of metal that they're using may have had contaminants in there, which then caused one thing to break, which then led to the whole engine destruction. So you're pulling apart potentially hundreds of pieces to try and figure out exactly that one cause. So in my head, when someone says a chemical imbalance, I'm like, why? Well, it's just how it is. And I'm like, fuck that. Why? Like that's the answer, right? It's just random. Okay, cool. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So I started studying mindset and getting into, I started going to NLP courses and, you know, traveling the country searching for these people to help me and I'm still doing that to, to today yeah. so um, that that's essentially my short story <laughs> that's yeah. long yeah. but yeah that just led me to really realizing that everyone knows what to do in life they just don't do it yeah and that's the
0: man, it's so hard I remember going through the system myself and I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do and so a lot of the values that were instilled in me from mum and dad and not just mum and dad society what I should do it was always what I should be doing you know, and I never really had any idea what I wanted to do. So, you know, I come from a, you know, European family, Italian family, so it was all about fucking make make good money, go buy a house, get married, have
1: kids, and that's what it. you mean buy a house? Mate, it's, well, it's got to go and buy 20. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: right, yeah. So, but generally that was like, that had to be like, you, you had to buy a house, you couldn't rent, you know, you had to work, you had to work hard. So working hard and having a good work ethic, I think is awesome and I'm glad Mum and dad taught me that, that's, you know, that's, that's obvious, right? But, you know, you realize as you sort of get older that some of the things they taught and, you know, I think that they 100% did the best job they could, man. Like they did everything that they knew that was passed down to them. But, you know, at some point you go, I don't know if that's right. Just because I actually knew that or I believe that as a kid doesn't make it useful for me now. It doesn't actually make it right Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily going to help me get from where I am to where I want to be. So. That's the first thing and obviously what you're good at is, you know, helping people get clarity as to why they're here and what it is that they want to do. So how do people even start with that, man? I know there's a lot of different people in the industry that talk about different methodologies and and different ways to do this. I know from talking to you in the past, you're not a fan of motivation. Uh, Whether there's a place for that or not, you know, that was my first exposure to personal development was the high fives and the hype and the stuff like that. Which I'll let you talk about in a sec. But where do people actually start to understand, well, I guess, what their skill set what their skill set is, and what they should actually do with their life?
1: Yeah, uh, awesome question. So there's three pillars really that everyone needs to get clarity on to to start their proper journey of life. So the first thing that you've got to figure out is what is it that actually fulfills you, because here's the thing. And I, I did a talk yesterday on this uh, with a, a business. And I said, look, there's 24 hours in a day. You can't manage time. Time management is absolute junk. It's garbage. It's crap. You can't manage it. It comes, it goes, like right now it's going, right? I can't manage it. So then if we can't manage time, what can we manage? And we can manage our actions. So if we're going to fill our day up, like if you're sleeping for eight hours, you've got 16 hours where you're essentially going to fill that time with something. So when people are like, well, you know, I didn't get up too much on the weekend, they filled you know they're 32 hours of the weekend yeah with stuff it's yeah. just they filled it with you know 3 hours of scrolling facebook they filled it with you know 10 hours of watching football they they're filling their time so it's not like they the, the time's just going and it's just disappearing they're actually filling it with stuff yeah it's just that they lack the clarity and awareness of what they're actually putting into that time they're fill, they're using it so I can you know some people will say to me well how do you get so much shit done because I just prioritize more effectively than most other people that's all that it is yeah and I know what's important versus what's irritating what's bullshit like there's so much distraction I just I I just do what I do and yep. there are so many people who will say like you should do this you should do that and I'm like cool I appreciate it But you run your lane and let me run mine. If you get in my lane, I'm going to kick you the fuck out of my lane because my lane is my lane. Stay out of my lane. Let me just do my thing at the speed that I want to do it at. So anyway, coming back to it, you've got fulfillment. The reason why fulfillment is so important is because if you're going to spend 16 hours a day filling up your time, you might as well fill it up with something that fulfills you. Yeah. And so for me, it's teaching, it's learning, it's coaching. It's trying to understand how things work. It's growing a business. It's growing a team. Like those things for me, they they're not really work. Like they are because it's it's tough. But everything's tough. Like it's tough living a shit life. Yeah. It's tough living a great life. Yeah. So um, things are going to be hard. It's hard to live a crappy life, and it's hard to live a great life. So why not just pick my hard, pick my comfort, pick my discomfort? Like I just pick the way that I want to live, because I'm going to get both either way. So we've got to get what really fulfills us because we need to be dedicated for something for long enough to make it work. You know, I was, I was because um, I, I also have a podcast as well as you're aware of. Um, I, I was doing some research on podcasting and do you know the average podcaster, I think only does 10 podcasts and then gives up. Okay. So if you're not enjoying it and you're doing it for a quick, you know, this sounds like a great idea at the time. Should you just stay committed for say a year? And yeah. do one a week or you do one a month you're already you're already in like the top ten or top twenty percent. Like life, there's just a natural attrition of people who just give up. That's just interesting so, you said. So that. like you don't even have to work that hard to be to be in the top ten percent because most people just give up and they they get distracted and they go to the they go to something that they think is easier in the moment and eventually it just ends up hard again because they never commit to anything. Yeah. So pillar one is fulfillment. Number two is once you figure out what fulfills you, and there's three steps to that. In the second pillar, you really need to figure out what the direction is and where you're heading because you don't want to be like, if you've got a map and you're driving from Adelaide to Melbourne, you want to go there in the direct route in the fastest possible time. And you need to have stop-offs which are goals and, and there's stop-offs or check-in points to make sure you're on track. Yep. Now, most people spend their life bouncing between ideas. Oh, this sounds good. And we're seeing that right now with the employment market, right? Well, I want to be a podcaster, but I also want to like start an e-com store and you know I want to go invest in crypto. And it's like, you're going to be shit at all of those things because you're never going to get traction. And they don't know the direction that they're going or the outcome that they really want in their life. And they don't know what life is supposed to look like. So you have to get clear with the direction that you're heading and stay on track. And so that normally comes through a vision a mission and clear goals. So that's pillar number two. And then pillar number three is essentially creating your drive and using performance psychology to stay driven for long enough in the right direction and being fulfilled You'll win. Like you win in life just by having those three pillars. Yeah. And so performance psychology has a lot to do with how you use your mind. As you mentioned before, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of positive thinking. Yeah. Because it's easily disputable with a basic, and I'm talking like a grade five level of physics, right? A positive charge attracts a negative charge in order to stabilize. Yep. Yeah. I'm all about creating mental and emotional stability because people who are stable tend to achieve the greatest results. They don't get too high, they don't get too depressed, they just sort of try and manage in some sort of a more balanced state. Now that doesn't mean that you can't use those charges to drive you at times, because there are times where we're driven away from pain and pressure and stress, but there is also times where we need some sort of pleasure and reward. But the ultimate goal is fulfillment and that comes from being balanced and stable for a long enough period that you can get traction.
0: Yeah, Michael, what like separates high performers from your standard or your average person, right? Because you've got, you deal with some of the highest performers in the world and yeah. have had high performers assist you along your journey as well. So what's the difference? Like what is a high performer in your own, what's your definition of a high performer?
1: Look, to me, um, I mean, I call our community the driven mofos because yeah. everyone in our community is driven to do more, get more, be more. So it. I, I don't think there is a, a precise definition of it. I think what it is, is that there are people out there who are hungry to be better. And that's all it is. Like, I don't judge people. I don't expect anyone to have my lane, right? My lane is my lane. And what I learned about personal development and personal growth is there are a lot of people out there who go, this is how you be successful. This is my morning routine. This is how I do things. But that's their lane. And so you go out there and you replicate it. And then all that happens is you self-sabotage, melt down, and then you feel like a piece of shit because you're like... I'm doing all this stuff and nothing's working. I'm, I, I give up all the time, but that's because you're trying to run in someone's lane. Yeah. My job is not to tell you how to run my lane. My job is to help you to discover your lane so that you can run your own race. Because I can't be you and you can't be me. Now I worked with a guy yesterday who's worth well over hundred million dollars. Well, actually, he's, he at one stage he was close to a billionaire, and we we're working together yesterday, and I and we we're just talking about this. And I said, you can't beat me. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, you, you can't beat me at what I do. And he's like, well, that's a good point. And I said, stop trying to compare your what you're doing mentally and emotionally with what I'm doing mentally and emotionally because you can't yeah. beat me. But I'm like, I can't beat you. I, I, it would be hard to have achieved the financial success that he has had based on his values by, the, by his age. For yeah. me personally, that doesn't mean I can't do it. It's just that his highest value is wealth creation. So he just sees money everywhere. He just, money, yeah. oh, I could do this, adjust that. That's how his brain works. Yeah. Whereas for me, I speak to someone and I'm like, for me, I, I see human behavior so simply. Here you are, here's a big goal, here's a dream, yeah. and here's a big fucking barrier. Yeah. My job is to help you overcome that barrier in order to get that thing. But it's hard if you don't know what that thing is. Yeah. So the first thing that we've got to do is figure all that stuff out, figure out the barriers, give you the right tools in order to get there and you'll get there. Yeah. But you've got to figure out your lane first. So coming back to what we're talking about, I think a lot of the personal development industry, although the intention is to help people and, you know, help people to excel. I don't think a lot of the time that happens just because of the self sabotage patterns and the mental destruction that happens by people being unclear and also not understanding that they're running their own race in their own lane. Yeah. If you're trying to compete with me, you will mentally destruct. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's my job. But anyway, coming back to the driven mofo or a high performer. Mm, They're just people who want to be better. Like my sister, her highest values family, she's an amazing mom. And I see her as that. I don't, I don't see her as being inadequate or not good enough because she doesn't make the money financially that I make, or that she, you know, doesn't have the clientele that I have and all that stuff. That's not it at all. It's, I see my sister as being probably one of the greatest achievers on the planet because she is a great mom and she understands that that's, what she feels like she's here to do at the moment.
0: And the reason I asked that question is because I've been part of the community for the last seven years, but I don't I don't really consider myself a high performer though, because there's always and you I do want to get better, but I always feel like I haven't achieved what I want to achieve because there's something else to achieve. You know, so there's always there's always something else in the sense. It's a high performer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. Losers give up. High yeah. performers always think that there's something missing, and they're always working towards fulfilling yeah. that thing.
0: <laughs> so it's a bit of a paradox, isn't it? You know?
1: Yeah. Well, well, everything is a paradox, right? That's that's the human existence. That's why in my advanced events that some of them you've been to, yeah, I teach a lot about how perceptions are created, because our perceptions create a void or a sense of missingness, and that missingness actually creates our drive. So when you understand that, you have to deal with a few things. First of all our highest values create our insecurities. Those insecurities need to be managed because if you don't manage them, they become destructive. But at the same time, that's the thing that you want. Like I love exercising and training. Why do I love exercising and training? Because I'm fucking insecure about my body and the way that I look and all of that stuff. So if I understand that, I go, the insecurity is not a bad thing. All I know is that the thing that I love to do is train and I love to train because it helps me deal with those insecurities and if I don't train and I start eating crappy then I start to feel insecure about myself. Yeah. But that's a bit of a kick in the ass to go back and train which is the thing that I love. Yeah. So it's always this paradox that we have to deal with throughout our lives. I see a lot of people who do that and then they start eating a bit of crappy food and they're like, "Oh, now I'm feeling bad about myself. I won't do anything." And they just start eating, they get fat and fat and fat and it makes them more insecure and then they just give up. Yeah. Financially like I know that you know, you've got a value on financial stability or something along those lines yeah. or, or wealth yeah. creation. Yeah. Same it's, as me. When's yeah. enough enough? Yeah. It never is, right? There's always something yeah. more or something greater or... And it's yeah. not because of the money. It's because yeah. of the opportunity that the money creates.
0: Yeah. You know, the concept... Yeah, sorry, man. Go on, finish. Finish. No, off.
1: No, no, you're right.
0: The concept of values was I first discovered that through attending one of your courses. It might have been just a one-day event. And... Yeah. You know, I was fascinated by that term because it was it was at the start of my journey in personal development, but no one had framed it the way you had. So I found it interesting that we've got you know a hierarchy of things that we're going to do from what, what's most important to least important. So our job is to work out what's most important and what's least important, do what's most important and delegate the stuff that's going to be least important. Can you just summarise that in simple terms like how do we actually start to you know, like Mate, you're
1: on. asking me deep questions right i'm I'm the guy that goes in deep with this stuff and tries to it, it's i know it's, it's like everything
0: it's hard it's it sounds so simple right yeah just do what you're you're actually driven to do anyway and these aren't predetermined so my understanding is that you're not born with these and that will part then are will pass down to you let's say from your parents they're yours is that fair and true in saying that
1: okay so i'll go into a little bit of the scientific methodology but it'll take a couple of minutes is that all right yeah that's right Go because i
0: think this is important because this is what sort of changed it for me and learning about myself this way sort of got me more more clarity and direction so yeah
1: yeah so when you're a child when you're sorry when your parents are you know doing their thing what happens is when the sperm hits (laughs) the egg you've essentially got epigenetic tagging right Well, no one likes to talk about their parent shagging, but that's what happens, right? So when the sperm hits the egg, you essentially have epigenetic tagging going on. And so like when we talk about genes, there's a lot of confusion around genetics versus epigenetics. You've got genes, which genes normally dictate two arms, two legs, 10, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes, two eyes and so on. So that's the, the framework of the genome. But then we have the epigene and the epigene is really trying to help us to adapt to an environment, to Secure our survival. Now, let's just say that your parents are highly stressed because they've got not a lot of money and they're reacting financially and they're stressed all the time. The epigenome from the sperm and the egg is saying the environment is stressful. So therefore the child has to be ready to deal with that stressful environment from a young age. So you've essentially got epigenetic tagging from that moment. Then you've got in utero. So when the mother is pregnant, the external world is influencing the mother because let's just say that she's stressed out or she has a fight or flight response consistently. I, I'm not going to go too deep with this, but you can have a freeze response in the um, development of the embryo as well, where sometimes you can see children born without you know, without certain organs or things like that, normally because of a freeze response from the mother based on a shock. Um, but so in utero, the mother is essentially surrounding or the, the hormones of the mother are surrounding or, or being uh, I'm trying to use simple terms, but uh, bathed around the womb where the child's developing. So if you've got high levels of stress hormone, like adrenaline, cortisol, you know, high levels of sugar and insulin, Yeah. what will happen is the, the child will, development, will develop not only its physical body, but its brain in a different way. And so children who are born in uh, a parent with a lot of stress, they normally have a more primitive part of the brain developed, which makes them have better coordination from a really young age. And so you can see a child that's really young walking early. You can see them crawling early. You can see them hitting balls, picking up bats and stuff like that. Now, that doesn't mean that the mother has to be highly stressed. It just means she has to have enough stress hormones in order to, to for the child to then you know develop a lot earlier physically. But then if you have a child in a really calm state and a really relaxed state, their prefrontal cortex of the child or some of the more advanced parts of the brain are developed. So their thinking is a little bit better. They're a bit more quieter, um, a bit bit more intelligent with their thinking, um, but they might not be as street smart. Yeah. So, you know, for all parents, because I think every parent worries about, you know, I'm fucking up my kids, but every parent's fucked up their child from the parent's perspective, right? Yeah. and from the child's perspective like i know i look back at my parents back when i was younger and a bit more ignorant about this stuff and i'm like my parents destroyed my life now that i'm an adult and understand this i'm like they gave me probably the greatest gift they could which is the yeah. journey that i'm on yeah so that's that sort of the the journey now the the values are created from voids so there's part they're partly epigenetic But when the child's born, the child comes out into an environment where it has to figure out what's important, what's not important. And a void, according to Dr. John D. Martini, the void creates the value. So if the child perceives, probably like I did going to school, my parents never had any money. I couldn't afford basketball shoes. So now I have a high value on wealth creation and business. I was a fat kid who didn't take off his shirt at swimming. So now my physical appearance and exercise is super important to me. Okay. I was put a special classes and told that I was dyslexia and had learning difficulties, even though I was inquisitive. So now one of my highest values is teaching, learning, and coaching. Okay. I want to make people smarter and, and figure this shit out. And then I, I never really had a big group of close friends. Whereas now I have like one of the coolest networks in the world with like rich listers and billionaires and professional athletes and, you know, all of that sort of stuff because I never had friends growing up, really. Well, my perception of that was that way. So now my number one value is social connection or high value connection. Yep. So that void creates the value, which is why you've got an insecurity because when the void's there, it's like an empty cup. You start getting insecure about it. But when it's full, it then overflows into lower values, which then makes you want to go and do other things outside. Well, not outside of your values, but outside of the top value. And so the more you can fill the cups, if if today, like if I spend the majority of the day teaching and, and connecting with people, it'll overflow into my fourth cup or my third cup and so on. So the more you can prioritize your values in life, the more fulfilled you are. And yeah, the, the more the more shit you get done, the more you achieve. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask as well, right, was how how do we differentiate between our own values versus values like that we think are our values but have actually been instilled or overlaid in our values? Is there a simple way to do that? Like is there
1: Holy like, cow. It's like, it's like asking me if there's a simple way to develop a house. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just, okay, so, just don't get which, hole a tarpaulin and lie under
0: you, it. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is like, there's, I think for, and, I, and this is from my experience. Yep. It took, it took a long time to work out what I actually wanted, like what, what was true to me. Yep. Because there was such a, um, instillment in, you know, this, the cultural background that I came from and what I should be doing and how I should be running my own life so and I know I'm sure people listening you know experiencing the same thing and they can probably feel that they something's off you know that they're not clicking and they might even be self-sabotaging you know with alcohol or you know drugs or whatever or just Netflix or whatever it is but is there a way to actually ask better questions of yourself and you know what questions should we be asking of ourselves do we need to observe ourselves better do we need to just turn everything off. Do we need to meditate or there's all this stuff out there about, you know, going to an Island, maybe doing some Zen or something like that, or, you know, Hey,
1: I've tried all that stuff yeah. for most for 99.9% of people. It's a waste of time. Okay. And um, yeah, it, it it's a waste of time, right? So you can meditate, but you get someone who's stressed and who isn't living what is true to them as in their fulfillment pillar and they're unclear on their direction and they don't know how to manage their psychology and balance it out effectively. You can do meditation and meditation will fuck you up worse than like, I don't know if you've ever tried to meditate under stress. Yeah, it's hard. I've tried. I've oh, tried it too. yeah. Oh, like if you want to torture someone, I had a client of mine who's an investment banker. And this one session, he's like, he was giving me a bit of stick. He's like, mate, I don't feel like you're pushing me hard enough. I want to be pushed. And I was like, you know, I, I'm a, I, I've am been coaching for long enough and I've been working with people that are driven for long enough. I, kn- I know what they're like, right? And so I, I will lead them at the pace that they need to go at, that I know that they can go at without melting down and without self-destructing because that sets them back. So I said, right, cool. All right, I'll come back in. If you want me to push you really hard, let's do it. So the next session I walked in, we had a four-hour block booked out. This is like a month later. I went in there and I said, right, we're going to meditate for, for an hour. And he looks at me and he goes, I'll be fucked if I'm paying for that. And, and he like, he's like, no way am I doing that task but that's because he doesn't have the ability to manage his mindset enough to be able to man- meditate.
2: Yeah.
1: So all of those things they they they're good tools, but there's a right tool for the right job at the right time. And I've spent the last 20 years figuring out those tools, which meditation's a good tool, but if you if you're living outside of your values, you can spend ages meditating and I guarantee you will still be mentally screwed. Okay, so it's still going to fuck you up anyway. Unless 100% you- yeah, okay. All the Wim Hof breathing stuff. Like I've got clients who come yeah. to, or people who come to me and they're like, I've been doing all this breathing stuff and it's yeah. not working. And I'm like, well, no wonder. You're living outside of your values. You don't understand your mission. You've got no vision. You've got all these implanted values from other people. You don't even know what you want. Like you are so unclear. Like, yeah, try and train a dog that's crazy. Yeah. Like, you put a lead on that thing. All it does, it just goes more mental. Yeah. That's all that's happening inside your brain. Like you need to know the right tool for the right time. Meditation's okay. I've only just started using it. And I use it a couple of times a week. Yeah. After well, at least eleven to twelve years of being super dedicated to this stuff and spending well over a million dollars on research and development and travel and you know learning from the best. So yeah. Yeah. Well, like people um, like
0: Doctor Joe, they're they're huge on it. You know, I mean, they they spend hours a day. Or that's the their whole concept is, you know, learning to be still with yourself and and developing or calming the mind, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But. It's interesting to get your perspective. I know you've done a lot of that stuff. That's why I asked you the question, you know.
1: Mate, I could do it. These days, like, it's been a while since you've come to Thrive Time. Yeah. The, the latest updates that I've done over the last couple of years, way, way blow that stuff out of the water. Yeah. Um. You know, no, no disrespect to anyone in the industry because everyone serves a purpose and everyone's there yeah. for a reason. And, you know, his community of people are different from my community of people. We get some crossover, but we have different people looking for different things like, you know, I've I've spent plenty of time with, you know, Dr. Joe as well. And and I mean, I drank tequila in Mexico with him when I was speaking many years ago. Yeah. Um, so he, he's a great guy, great stuff. But if, if I've got to spend an hour to an hour and a half meditating a day, yeah. fuck that shit, I'd rather get stuff done.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to spend an hour to an hour and a half a week if I'm stressed out to balance some stuff out so that mm-hmm. I can keep going. Now, what I would recommend is that every day little bits and pieces come up. If you just chip away at them each day, five, 10 minutes, you can just keep cranking and pushing hard, and I push harder than what I've ever pushed, and I'm probably more mentally calm and more mentally stable than what I've ever been. Yeah. Um. And I only spend a couple of minutes a day just, you know, dealing with whatever pops up throughout the day. If I get a frustration, there's a way to balance it out. I just balance it out and keep going. Yeah. Like, yeah. After the one hour meditation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mentioned about time before. You know, we can't control time. We can only control our actions and how focused yeah. we are, and obviously. You know, being more efficient and using our time more effectively. So, is there a way to do that? Like, as in setting a goal, obviously, we have to have the clarity first, I'm assuming. So, we've got to understand why we want to do something. Is yeah. there, do you have a routine or do you have a methodology for goal setting and having a priority on what to get done in the day or how much? Because I know people speak about to do lists and I've heard that they're a waste of time, to do lists, and that really you should be focusing on. I don't know how many outcomes, whether it's three outcomes or five outcomes or whatever. What's your take on it and how do you actually set up your day?
1: Um, so there's there's two questions that I want to answer. One of them is still left hanging in the back of my mind that you asked me before, but I didn't I didn't answer. Yeah. What was that? And then there's a time management one. So the first one was, you said about, living with the implanted values or other yes, people's that expectations. One. That, that's one I found
0: hard, that one
1: there. Yeah. So I'll, I'll come back to that one because that one's wicked, but it's, again, it's going to take me a couple of minutes to- to. Oh, let, yep, let's go down. back to that one. Yep. But it comes back. So time management comes back to understanding the fulfillment pillar and then the direction pillar. Because if you don't understand what actually fulfills you, you're going to set your day up with things that you're going to procrastinate on and self-sabotage on. So I've been cranking since six o'clock this morning, no procrastination, no self-sabotage because I don't have time to fuck around. But in saying that my day is booked out with my values. So I just had an hour and a half training session with my personal trainer. He comes, comes to the house. I've got a gym here. Um, We train, we get it done. And then I came straight up, had a shower, ready to rock and roll and off I go again. Mm -hmm. And then I'll work probably until, I don't know, maybe nine 30 tonight, 10 o'clock. And I have no, like, I don't even feel like it's work. Like People say this stuff and I never got it until probably about six months ago. And then the last three months has been awesome. But you have to build your life out understanding what your lane is. Yes. I'm I'm shit at almost everything. And most people are shit at almost everything. Yeah, yeah. They try to like mess around with things that they're not good at. Like I have people go, are you worried about people like all these people coming into the coaching industry? And I'm like, not really. They'll be, they'll be out in a year. Like when they lose all their money, they'll be out in a year because it's not their thing. Right. right. They just it, it seems like a good idea at the time. They don't really know what they want. You know, I'm on the phone every week doing sales to people who like will message us on our social media or get in touch with me and they'll say, you know, Michael, your courses are expensive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time, they'll waste a whole year and probably they'll probably waste anywhere between twenty to a hundred thousand dollars to get to a point in their life where they just go and get a job that they fucking hate because they've given up. Yeah. And they will waste jumping around between careers. Like every time you change into a new field or you're doing something new, not only is there a cost of time for learning that field to get good at it. And sometimes it can be years. Like for me as a coach, it took me probably three to five years to get like decent. And then it took probably another five five to six years to become an absolute powerhouse in, that, in, in, in the industry. And now, you know, I, I know I get people that are some of the toughest people coming to our events like, you know, I, you've seen some of them, mental health cases, suicide, all that yeah. stuff. Not that that's what I want to work with. yeah. But I get them because I've tried everything else or they perceive they've tried everything else. So um, it takes a long time. So there's an opportunity cost that people lose by jumping around and not being clear. So they're worried about spending a couple of grand at my events when they're probably going to spend 50 to 100 grand in lost opportunity, lost time, stress, frustration, self-sabotage, procrastination, all of that shit. And then they still go out and they buy a new car every five years, and then that drops. What like you go and buy a thirty k car, it drops ten k in three years or whatever. They've got no like, cool. I just bought a new car. What they're really saying is I just lost ten k. Yeah. But they don't. They don't. It's like man, I got to spend a couple of grand to go and figure out how to get my shit together in life. That's expensive. It's just I don't know. It's just I don't think you know. It is what it is, man. It's cultural conditioning, society, and all that. It is. That's right. I don't think
0: people see. A lot of people don't see the value in it. You know they can't see it they just can't see it um and they see it as because it's it's unregulated too like they think it's a bit of quackery or you know it's a bit of you know what's that word woohoo or whatever they that's the other term that gets thrown around as well but but you're right i mean ultimately yeah we end up going around in circles until we actually figure out why we're here and what it is we want to do you know And, and then actually applying that and then doing it but you said it before you mentioned the term procrastination Yes. And just like going around in circles, putting things off. You know, I've heard so many theories about procrastination um, over the years. Like what's, what's your definition of it? And why do we do it? You reckon?
1: Awesome. So this links in with what I need to talk about, which is the, the, the implanted values or other people's okay. expectations being put yeah. on you. Right. So if you go and read Sigmund Freud's work, who I love his stuff and in some advanced events, I go into it, his, Um, theory on the psyche is absolutely phenomenal. And I would recommend for anyone who's enjoying this stuff, go and read, even if you just go to Wikipedia or you can uh, type in the ego, the id and the super ego. So what he said is that the the true meaning of the word ego is the true self. Now the whole personal development field, the the spirituality field have absolutely fucking butchered the term because they'll go, oh, it's your ego. What they're really saying is it's your... Um, insecurities that are creating an over-exaggerated sense of self. So when people use the term ego, they're actually using it as an over-exaggerated sense of self. Now that's not the, that's not the original terminology of it. So what he said was that there's an ego that the ego is developed as we uh, like through our values, essentially. Yeah. So the ego is the true you. It's your mission, your purpose, your vision, your values, and your goals. And it's your mental and emotional imbalances, essentially. Well, when you're in balance, that's the true you. So it creates poise, gratitude, love, inspiration, you know, direction, clarity, all of that stuff happens when you're living your true self, which is your ego, right? So then on the other side, you've got two other polarities. Now, everything in nature, if you look at science, it tends, there there seems to be a balancing mechanism. So you can go through almost every field of science and there's an idea of balance or homeostasis happening. Yeah. So in physics, a positive charge attracts a negative charge in order to stabilize. You can see that same thing happening. Our body, the muscles, the length-tension relationships are creating a stability in the, I guess, the bony structure or within our, our posture. Now, if there's an out-of-balance um, position, we get pain, right? The same thing can happen in our psychology based on the theories that I follow. Um, but also, this, the, there seems to be this balancing force happening in all hard fields of science in soft science. That doesn't seem to be the case. So in soft sciences like psychology and social science, they preach things like positive thinking, Okay. but in physics, you can't have a positive without a negative in order to create stability. Now I know that I would rather have a stable mind than a positive mind because when I'm erratic and I'm like, woo, that's good. But you don't see things for what they are. You see things through beer goggles or a over-exaggerated perception. Things can't go wrong. And this is where people over-exaggerate their skill sets. They will underestimate the time that it takes to achieve things, setting people up for depressed states. Yeah. So there are people who go to personal development. They're like, I'm going to be a millionaire in 12 months. And you're like, how much money did you make last year? 60K. And you're like, how much money the year before? 58K. And you're like, how much the year before that? 56K. The projection of going from 58K this year to a million dollars, that's a lot of shit that you've got to learn. Right. So the chances of that, the probabilities are almost zero. Now, that doesn't mean it can't happen, yes. but it's almost zero. Yeah. So for most people, they set themselves up for depressed states and feeling like shit and beating themselves up because they over exaggerate their skill set and the time that it takes to achieve things. Now, most entrepreneurial type people are like this, but most driven people are like this also. But the, what I'll find what I find is that normally those people who have big goals and big dreams also have massive depressed states as well, where they just isolate themselves, feel like shit, they beat themselves up, you know, they hate upon themselves. Like their self-talk is disgusting. Yeah. And that all happens because of the over-exaggeration of what they can achieve, but because of the positives. So um when when we go back to Freud's work, you've got the ego, which is the true self. You have the id. Now, the word idiot comes from the word uh, idiot, iota, which, mean, which is essentially a uh, small mind. And so when you're in your id, that's your impulses and what he calls instincts. Now, an instinct is essentially a fear or something that you're trying to get away from. And your impulse is something that, that you crave and you want. So when we're living in our primitive mind, which is the amygdala, the, the emotional center of the brain, we're essentially creating polarities that have emotions. So when we're idiotic, we run by our emotions, not our logic. And what goes up when we're emotional also comes back down. So people make stupid decisions when they're elated and they also make stupid decisions when they're depressed. So there's a stability in between those two. Now all children, he said, are born with the id, which means that they're emotional and they can't control those emotions. But as they start to develop and their ego starts to develop, they can then start to control those emotions. Okay. Am I making sense so far? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So then you also have the, what he called the superego, and that is the implanted values of others. So one of the first words you've got kids, right? One of the first words they learn is no, and they learn no before yes. And that's because the parent says, no, don't touch. Don't do that. And so essentially the parent is going in there and implanting their values, their ideals, and their beliefs onto that child. Yeah. But they have to do that in order to control the id. So those two things actually are the psyche balancing itself back out to try to bring us back to our authentic self. Now, when you have an uncontrollable id and you're being controlled by your fears, your worries, your stresses, and concerns, which is what you're trying to get away from, that's your instincts. It also creates impulses. So when someone says like, I just overeat chocolate, most people try to deal with the overeating or the drug use or the alcohol consumption or whatever. That That is silly. It's crazy. And this is why drug, my belief is that yeah. people with drugs and alcohol issues very rarely actually do well for an extended period of time. The, the percentage of um, relapse is huge. Why? Because they deal with the impulse not the uh, not the thing that they're trying to get away from, the fear. Now, here's a great example. Mm. If you've had a shitty day and you feel like you're under pressure because you're living outside of your values, you're unclear on your mission, and people are projecting what you should be doing onto you, which makes you feel unfulfilled. How many times have you ever got a craving to either want to eat shitty food, to drink mm. alcohol, to run away, to not do work, or to not do something?
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So it's actually the the instinct that creates the impulse. So I don't deal with the impulse. I deal with the fear or the worry or the concern or the stress. Yeah. Because then it counterbalances itself. And then you've also got the implanted values of others in your mind as a counterbalancer. So when you go to do something stupid, someone pops into your head and you go, I shouldn't do that because they're going to judge me. So the internal judgments and dialogue we have is a, is a balancing act to control our impulses and our instincts. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're impulsive, someone pops into our head to tell us, don't do it because they're going to judge us. But then at the same time, when we have our instincts or our fears, worries, and concerns, someone else pops into our head that we look up to that tries to encourage us to push against that fear. So our brain consistently throughout the day is trying to create a counterbalancer to keep us most stable, most authentic, and living in our ego. So when you are asking about procrastination- yeah. Procrastination and self-sabotage are byproducts normally of living outside of your values, not prioritizing your values. And so we procrastinate and put shit off. Essentially, we're just telling ourselves that there's crap that we don't want to do or we can't perceive how it matches our values. And then the second thing is that self-sabotage patterns are trying to push us back towards our highest value. Okay. So if, if I have a low value on exercise and I think I should exercise on Monday morning, I'll go to the gym. Tuesday morning, I'll go to the gym. Wednesday, when I start getting a little bit tired and a little bit fatigued, and my mindset's been going crazy for two or three days, then I'll probably self sabotage and give up because yeah. it's not really important to me. There's other shit that I would rather be doing that's more important than yeah. my values. The best thing that you can do is link stuff to your values, which yeah, I can go into a whole nother yeah. time or whatever. Yeah. Um, another time, yeah. yeah. I can link it to my values, or I need to fulfill my other higher values so that the cups are full and eventually the water flows down into those lower values yeah so yeah it's just feedback procrastination yep. and self-sabotage is just feedback that you're being yep. inauthentic
0: and so that's what i was going to ask you we're, we're getting close now to an hour right but i just want to touch on your it's your take on emotions as well because the other thing and another thing i learned as well having done some of your your content courses is that you know, there's no good or bad emotions and that it's more feedback and their signals more than anything else. Yep. They so just, yeah, give us, give us an example, like just a quick example of what do you mean? Because in this space as well, there's a lot of labels. Yeah. Good. And it's bad. This is bad. And it's good to do this. And it's bad to do that. So yeah, that that's another thing that, you yeah, know, I know that you're um, yeah, you've got a completely different take on that. So.
1: Yeah, well, I, I understand that because a lot of people are sort of, they'll, they'll look at behavioral science or, or some form of sloppy psychology. And so it makes sense when you look at that. But when you start piecing together the neuroscience of how the brain works, the psychology, the behavioral science, and then you actually see and you study people who achieve great things, it all starts to click together. So when you have a look at it, when when we're under stress or when we're under pressure or when we perceive a threat or anything like that, that challenges our values, we drop more into the amygdala. Now, the amygdala, you know, that sort of area, the limbic system of the brain is our emotional center. And so it converts in a sloppy, you know, way of describing this to a scientist. If there's a scientist out there, they're going to freak out I'll explain it, but it will make sense. Um, so when we drop down into that lower part of the brain, we end up with these swings, right? And we've all heard of mood swings, but all of our emotions are essentially a swing. They're a pendulum. And so like, if you're hyperactive, hyper means over-exaggeration of your energy levels. When you over-exaggerate your energy, you then become hypoactive at some point in the future where you'll flatline and you go below the line, which is where you burn out. So when someone says they're burnt out, normally they've been living outside of their values. They've been pushing them to try and get elated or to try and use a lot of energy. And that gives them the hyperactivity, but eventually they'll burn out. And so that burnout, again, is feedback. So when we're talking about emotions, you said about labels, labels are fine, right? But labels are there to understand. They're not there to define. And our society uses labels to define, you know, you're a narcissist. Well, f- what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. And then someone will go, well, you know, it means you act and do this. Well, everyone acts and does that at some extent, at some point of their life. So that doesn't really mean anything. It's just a way of understanding a bunch of behaviors that they're put into a box or a bunch of, traits that are put into a box. So when someone says like, I'm sad, okay, cool. Right. Great label, whatever. But that doesn't really define why it doesn't define their, like why that's leading to that. Is it an action issue? Is it a, 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 is it a thought process? Is it a perception that's being created? Is it something from their past that they haven't dealt with? Is it a past wound that keeps getting triggered and brought up again in order for them to heal? So all of these things are, like labels are great, but they don't do shit. Like, I could say to you, you know, you're you're this way, but that doesn't mean that that's who you are. It's just, that's my perception of you that I've labeled you as, which means nothing. Yeah, um, It's just my way of understanding things. And we understand that's all we do, right? So mm-hmm. from a child, ch- kids sit there and they go, uh, 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 and you go, water, water, and you hold up the water bottle and they go, uh, uh, and eventually they, they label the bottle as water, but it could be anything, right? It's just, we've labeled it as water and we all agree upon it in English that that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think labels are there to understand. They're never there to define. There's no such thing as a good or a bad emotion. I mean, here's a great example. When you're angry, do you get shit done? Yeah, you do. Have you ever been angry and flipped out and it's caused an issue between someone you care about?
0: Yeah, it does sometimes, yeah.
1: So is anger a good or a bad emotion?
0: It's good and bad because, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Like sometimes it's actually good to set boundaries as well. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're not, um, you might be, if you don't, if you're not angry at all, you might be taken advantage of as well. So getting angry can stop you from being taken advantage of.
1: So the problem with emotions is that because people label them as good or bad, they create vicious cycles in their life. I don't think anger is good or bad. I don't think happiness is good or bad. I think that happiness is a shitty metric for life because I've never met a person who is actually happy who achieves anything it's normally an ideal that someone creates when they're having a lot of shit in their life. Mm.
2: You
1: know, I worked with a client yesterday who's depressed as crap. And he's like, you know, I just want to be happy. And I'm like, how long have you been wanting that for? And he's like 20 years. And I'm like, how long have you ever stayed happy for? And he's like, I don't know. It comes and goes. And I'm like, there you go. Like it comes and it goes. All of our emotions come and they go. They don't, we don't have one emotion forever. They come and they go. They are just feedback around certain environments. But on that, Have you ever done stupid shit when you're happy? Probably. Have you ever done stupid shit when you're excited? Probably. Have you ever been elated and not thought through something effectively, which has caused problems in the future because of your inability to think because you're excited about something? Probably. So are those things good or bad? I don't know. Again, they're just labels. It depends on the environment, how you use them. So yeah, our emotions are just feedback. Most people label them though, because they're not, they're normally not smart enough or they haven't been educated enough um, to see that if you use them effectively, you can understand yourself and you can understand life better. That's all that it is. And I think that the whole model is broken. I think that the, the common shit that we're taught about human behavior and psychology, most of the model is broken. The great thinkers have been saying the same stuff for thousands of years. But unfortunately, and you you give someone who isn't that intelligent an intelligent piece of information, they're bound to fuck it up and misinterpret it. And that's what happens. Yeah. Yep.
0: Just to, we, we haven't even got into, you know, perceptions, belief systems. Oh, stuff, man. We're, we're going to have to do another one, you know, at some point, man. And and I want you to break that down in the next one. Um, yep. There's a few other things we haven't covered either, but I just want to, I want to ask you about the, the, the industry itself. You've been in this industry a long time. Is, it's an unregulated industry, right? And at the moment, we're seeing a lot of, well, we're seeing, you know, crypto and we're seeing blockchain unregulated and people are actually, you know, some people are involved in it. Other people are reluctant to get involved because it's unregulated, which is why I think people don't place enough value in some of the stuff you teach, right? Yep. How do you feel about the industry just as a whole? Do you think it should be regulated? Do you think it won't make a difference if it's regulated? What's your take on it, man?
1: like everything right it's it's good and it's bad yeah it depends how you look at it right so are there are there a lot of idiots in the industry who are doing dumb shit 100% are there a lot of idiots out there who are buying dumb shit off of dumb people 100% is it teaching them a lesson 100% is the is those idiots who are teaching stupid shit getting feedback from their customers that what they're teaching isn't working and it's crap yes will they leave the industry probably Um, so, you know, both, both the consumer and the producer of the product have to be responsible for what they do. Like if I don't perform and I don't get results, then like, how can I be running events for an extended period of time? There must be something that's working and something of value to the customer. So the customer really, they've got to be responsible for the, the work that they do and, um, and for, for taking responsibility. There's way too many people out there who do dumb shit without thinking about it. And so in this country, we regulate everything to stop stupid people from doing stupid things. Yeah. You know, like I've got a supercar and I can't drive it fast. Why? Because we've got to go to the lowest common denominator, right? Like 90-year-old Betty, who's driving a, you know, 180B Datsun that she's had from fucking 1973. You know, the brakes on it, the car doesn't stop. Whereas my car stops like in, I can be doing 100 and it will stop, you know, in half the length of an old car. So I have to drive at Betty's speed because that's the way that our society operates in this country, especially now, do I understand it? Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes people have take responsibility for their own, for their own shit. And and in especially Australia, we have this victim mentality where people don't take responsibility, which is also the reason why most people don't achieve anything and why most people never get anywhere. Um, You know, I, the one thing that I hate in life is mediocrity. I was born in one of the luckiest countries on the planet. Where I have everything to succeed and everything to thrive, and when someone comes and they complain, you know, I don't have the time, I don't have the money, my family, shut the fuck up! Like, yeah. you you were born to succeed. Like we got we we got a pot of gold living in this country in Australia. You get the schooling system. Is it great? It's not great, but is it greater than most other schooling systems around the yeah. world? Hundred percent. Like fucking hell. We we've had one of the best finance. We've actually had the best financial system. In history, like we haven't had a recession for the longest running time as a country in history. And yet people still bitch and moan about, mm. I can't achieve this and I can't get that. And money's tough. Sh- shut up. Like, th- let's let's be honest. You're a loser and that's because of your attitude. Yeah. If you stop being a loser, then you'll stop being a loser. Like winners keep winning and losers play safe. And that's all that it is. In this country, most people play safe because they've got a loser mentality. and You know, there will be a lot of people who don't like me saying that. Yeah. That's okay. But at the same time, they're probably a loser. You know, if mediocrity is what you want and that's where you're happy playing, cool, man. Just don't hang out with me, don't spend time with me, and don't even comment on my shit because all it's gonna do is waste your time and mine. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm just here to hit I'm here to help people who want to play above the line. Like I think average sucks. Yeah, average sucks because average in this country is broke, average in this country is obese and overweight. Average in this country means that you end up at the end of your life on about five to at least seven medications in order to deal with shit that you can't deal with in your own life. Like there's got to be a point that people take responsibility for their crap. And that's hard. It's tough. It's tough to be responsible and accountable for your life. It's hard. Mm. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm not saying that people are just born with it, but at some point in every human being's life, they're going to have to sit there and look at themselves and go, did I live the life that I wanted? Yeah. And part of the reason why I'm so driven by this, um, Simon, is that I watch my grandfather play by the rules. Yeah. love this This is awesome. Yeah. He did everything right. Yeah. And he was given six months to live. Mm -hmm. The last two weeks before he passed away, I watch him cry every day saying, I never got to do what I really wanted in life. Yeah. And so all I see is when someone rocks up with all their bullshit and their excuses, no, you don't understand. It's because of my you know, whatever the fuck it is. Right. And, yeah. and some people come out and they go, well, you're, you it's easy for you. Cause you're a white guy, whatever. Right. That's cool. But there's also been challenges that I've had that other people haven't had. And there's yes. challenges that they've had that I haven't had. I yeah. get that. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm not running your race and you're not running mine. Are you happy with the person who you are? And are you happy with the results that you've produced in your life? You can sit and bitch and moan and complain. And we're seeing it right now, right? Climate change, change protesters, there was one the other day I
0: saw someone glued themselves to some painting of something in June. Hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Right. So people people complaining. Right. Complaining is like the lowest intelligent form of dealing with anything. Right. I can tell you, Simon, I don't like you. Cool. Simon, I don't like what you're doing. You need yeah. to stop it. What? Like, did did I make change? Fuck no. Right. You just keep doing what you want to do if it's up to you. And so, like. We have this society, especially with social media, where everyone has a voice, fantastic. But at the same time, the problem is everyone has a voice, including the dickheads and including the idiots. that's right. And so, you know, I I think that there needs to be people like us out there who are pushing people to do things and to step up because society is screaming for it. Everyone wants to succeed. Everyone wants to do something great. No one wants to die being a piece of shit. Yeah. But at the same time, most people like my grandfather, seeing that in you know in his final couple of weeks mate that tore my heart apart and i refuse to be average because average is pathetic and i don't want to be pathetic yeah man,
0: and i I love how you said it and i went through a similar experience last year i used to live next door to my uncle and he passed away you know and he was only like 60 was he 63 i want to say 63 was pretty young man he was still working so he wasn't in you know working to that day where he was going to be fully retired and then sort of enjoy his life but it got me thinking because you know what scares the shit out of me is and i don't know if you can hear my son just screaming in the I, back. Could, I could hear him <laughs> you know? but yeah like it just scared the shit out of me man like that i could get to the end i don't know when the end is like, i don't know when that day is going to come so and that to me is more painful than actually some of the stuff i'm going through now and making some of the changes I've made the last few years. So, you know, for me, it's a big wake up call. It's a reality check. And it's a reminder to just pursue whatever it is that you want to do. If you've got an idea and you want to go and and, and achieve something, then, you know, step up and go and do it and surround yourself with the right people, which is why I'm in this community and, and other communities too that I'm part of that help me in other areas. And that's, to me, that's what it's all about, man. It's about getting around the right people. And, you know, just taking that energy and, and everyone sort of helping each other to, to get to that next level. So, yeah.
1: We all go through times where we lose our self-belief. Like I got, I mentioned to you before, I got my ass kicked with COVID. And yeah. uh, as a company, you know, we run a lot of live events and stuff. And, yeah. and we took a big hit. Like financially, we took a big hit. And, you know, I just got into the habit of waking up in the morning and being like, oh, man, all these problems. We had staffing issues. Like we were just starting to scale the business effectively and bang, yeah. like wiped and so it's like we've got to change quickly, we've got to adapt. And I just started waking up every day and I'm like, I oh man, I hate this. Like, and and I just got in this shitty mindset of like thinking about problems all the time. And
2: yeah.
1: I remember waking up next to Jess and we would complain about it because she's the head of operations in our company. I mean, she's yeah. she's essentially our general manager. Yeah. So we just got in the habit of complaining about stuff, complaining about staff, complaining about problems, complaining about customers. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, this is fuck. Like, this isn't the yeah. way I want to live. And I said, yeah. from now on, it stops. Like, immediately it stops. But I had to have that self-awareness enough to realize that I'd got into that habit and that pattern and it had to stop. And then we made a commitment to each other. Like, this isn't how we act. And I think with friends and with the community that people surround themselves with, is super important. Like, your environment reinforces your patterns. Huge. So, when you're in a great environment, like, you come to our community, which you're aware of because uh, yeah. you're part of it, I'm pushing like uh, either either I'm going to lead you up the mountain or I'm going to stand behind you and I'm going to put my foot in my back and I'm going to keep pushing you until you give up. I don't give up on our customers. Our customers give up on themselves. And so my job is to keep pushing people to get the best out of themselves. That's my job. And that's the environment that I'm putting them in. Now, I think people need to do a um, a cleanse every now and again. Not saying I've heard this in person development, you know, get rid of the shit people. Here. I don't agree with that. Like my best friend just got out of jail right? One of my best friends that I grew up with. Now I still go and hang out with him. I want the dude to do the best that he can. And I'm hopefully the person that can help him to do that. Yeah. So I don't want to isolate him. I don't want to tell him that he's a loser because I don't believe that at all. I think he's a great dude. Probably one of the best people I've ever met. He just, sometimes he got caught in a shit environment and did the wrong thing. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes we need to be that shining light of people around us, but at the same time, it's hard to be a shining light when everyone around you keeps trying to put out the flame. So sometimes you've just got to do a bit of a an audit. Yeah, that's all it is. And I think you've got it can to- be circumstantial too.
0: Like, and I, I agree with you. I don't think you need to cut everyone off or anything like that. I think you need to make space though for new new circles, like people that are going to be on that that same sort of level of you know ambition or whatever it is that you're trying to do. You know, I think that's critical because if you don't do that, I don't think I just think it's so much harder. It's almost impossible if if you're not around that environment and you're still hanging around the same, you know, not I don't want to use the word toxic, but mediocre, let's call it average mediocre. If you're aspiring to something else, I don't see any other way but to put yourself in proximity of those other people that want the same thing. So, yeah.
1: its I think good relationships as well are about friction. You know, I, I was listening to something only a little while ago and they said, you know, like in a team, if you don't have friction, you don't get growth. Yeah. And it made me think about it, right? Like, so if you're thinking about being intimate, if there's no friction there, it's there's no pleasure. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: So in your friendships, you need to have friction. And if your friends aren't pushing you and keeping you accountable and pulling you up on your shit every now and again, you know, they shouldn't be supporting your bad habits and they shouldn't be supporting your shitty habit, your, your shitty behaviors. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in intimate relationships, they go, you know, my wife should support me. Well, not if you're being an idiot. No, they shouldn't. They should be yeah. trying to get the best out of you. They should see the best in you. Yes. So if that means telling you that you're an idiot, then you need to hear that. And you need to appreciate it. So your friendships and your circles need to be the same. There has to be pressure there, and there has to be friction. That's that gets the growth. You know, everything in nature grows because of stress, and things expand because of pressure. Yeah. So without stress, pressure, and friction, there's no growth. So you know, don't run away from that stuff. I think most coaches get paid to be friends. Yeah, I see it happen all the time. Yeah, right? I tell people, I'm not there to be your friend. I'm there to get yeah. the best out of you, so that you can be the best friend you have. That's my job.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Like I said, we're, we have to do this again, you're keen to do it again, because we haven't even scratched the surface about beliefs, perceptions and all that, and man, that's a whole nother day, I think, but thanks for coming on, man. It's been awesome. I love this stuff. I love talking about it. And I also want to, next time we come on, I want to talk about, you know, wealth as well and like building wealth and just the way, you know, I was talking to a property developer, just yesterday, and he's, he's a, he's quite a prominent property developer in Adelaide. And he, and he talks to me about, you know, 90% of it is psychological, 90%. This is coming from him in his own words, you know, and I know you've got a couple of clients and one in particular, that's, you know, quite a good property developer as well. And it's no wonder because although the, the actual, the strategy itself works, it's been proven, like people have used, and there's millions of strategies, or there's different types of strategies. But you know, if you don't have it up here to actually, you know, control your emotional state, there's going to be, there's no way you're going to execute those strategies and you're going to self-sabotage. So that's the stuff that I'm really want to touch on next time, because obviously I love, you know, building wealth and like talking about different ways to do that and what these barriers are, like what comes up and how we actually smash them and, you know, just go to that next level. So, yeah.
1: Love it, mate. I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to uh part two, two to 10.
0: Yeah, that'd no, be good, man. So
1: and looking forward to this weekend too, man. So yeah, me too. I think uh, next week you'll be you'll do a different podcast. You you uh, yeah yeah you I I think uh, it's going to be a good eye opener, especially coming back into the community and um you know seeing some of the growth that I've had, but also uh, the knowledge and the changes and the adaptation in in some of the stuff that we do as well.
0: Yeah. So guys, just so you know, I've done a lot of Michael's programs over the last seven years, and if it's been about two years, normally two years is the time where, if I haven't done one, then it's time for me to, to jump jump in and do, and do another one because things change all the time. And, and you're right. Well, I've done the Thrive Time twice. The last time was two years ago and it was very different from that first time I did it, you know? So it was, um, yeah, it was just structured completely differently. And it and I, and even in my own mind, because I had grown and I'd changed myself, you know different layers were applied to me so i understood it differently too so regardless where you're coming from yeah, you know, even if i was probably doing the same stuff um i would have actually taken that on board very differently to the first time does that make sense
1: 100 yeah. yeah yeah um even now the, the newest update is even better yeah. like it's just super crisp yeah yeah ah, awesome
0: all right well thanks man and uh, yeah guys we'll definitely do a part two about beliefs and about wealth as well I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in that. So until next time,
1: yeah, we'll uh, we'll do it all again. Awesome. Thanks, mate. Thanks, everyone. Thank
0: Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you got value from this, please give us a like and a subscribe and also share this with someone who you think may benefit having listened to it as well. I wish you all the very best in chasing what is your own version of your limitless potential.